welcome, welcome, welcome to the Vino Dads podcast. I want to thank my amazing guests here. I'll let them introduce themselves in a second. Um, I'm Anthony Dell, your host, wine expert, wine enthusiast, some say a psalm, um, future wine uh, bar owner, and more importantly than all that, a father of three amazing young men. Um, and so I'm super excited for us to dive into this conversation today and talk with our guests about um, the complexities of fatherhood and their journey along this road. Um, but before we get started, we'll let them introduce themselves. We'll start with um, John, if that's okay. Sure. I'm John Taylor Chapman. Uh, I am a father uh, of a three-year-old uh, boy. Uh, I am a uh, career educator, uh, business owner, uh, and uh, local elected official. Phenomenal. Yeah. Well, great to meet you, John. Great to meet you, Anthony. Uh, Matthew Boyd from Boy Crew Wines. Um, also father, father of two, uh, two boys, Alexander, who's 10, and Jackson, who's seven. Um, wonderful young men uh, that I'm trying to raise, you know, on, their, on that right path. Yes. Um, and of course, uh, uh, an owner of a uh, winery called Boy Crew Wines. Uh, we launched in April this year, so it's been a phenomenal experience. Um, and, you know, of course, also a husband. Um, a husband. I'm a pharmacist by training. I work um, in in oncology drug development still, uh, even though I'm still also running my wine uh, business as well. So it's been a, a busy 2023 and really actually a busy 2022 and 2021 because, you know, the way you start a, a, a winery is not kind of started overnight. So it's been a wonderful experience. I can imagine that journey so, so much. Um, and I just realized we're all fathers of boys. There's no girls amongst <laughs> us, right? So I have three boys. Um, you have two. John has one. So we got to figure something out here to get a girl in the mix. <laughs> I always have to say that God didn't give me a daughter because, you know, I'm crazy. And so he knew that I would have to chase somebody down um, if he gave me a daughter. But that's neither here nor there. Hey, I've been trying to work. Uh, I've been trying to convince my wife to have a girl. You know, she's. <laughs> I think she's too scared that we'll end up having another boy. We have three boys. <laughs> she'll really be outnumbered. Right. <laughs> right. Um, before we jump in, we have this amazing wine before us. So, uh, Matthew, if you want to talk a little bit about the wine that we have in front of us that we're tasting today. So we have two wines here uh, today. We actually have our Living Legacy Red Blend, which is a beautiful red blend. We actually just recently decanted it. Um, the Living Legacy Red Blend, um, you know, kind of our idea about really bringing this wine to market was to really focus on, you know, providing wines that are approachable to new wine drinkers, you know, so not too tannic, not too over oaked, um, but something that was nice enough on people's palates. And I would actually kind of consider it much more in that kind of feminine style of a wine, like a Pinot Noir. Now, of course, you can't grow a Pinot Noir in Maryland. It's really hard to grow Pinot Noir. Pinot Noir is one of the most finicky grapes. She, that grape, that grape is very, you know, very finicky. So what we've decided to do is use, utilize grapes to grow really well here in the Maryland marketplace. So all of our wines are 100% made from Maryland grapes from a single source vineyard that we partner with in the Eastern Shore of Maryland. Um, and the Living Legacy Red Blend is actually a beautiful blend of 70% Barbera grape. Uh, Barbera is originally an Italian grape. Once again, grows extremely well here in Maryland. 10% Merlot, 10% Malbec, and then 10% Cabernet Franc to give a little bit of spice as well. So very well-balanced wine, aged in neutral French oak, so you don't get a ton of oakiness on it, but at the same time, beautifully complex, and we decanted it just to hopefully bring out a little bit more of that complexity complexity of the, of the wine. And then we also have our Community Vidal Blanc. So our Community Vidal Blanc, once again, the Vidal Blanc is a hybrid grape. Once again, grows extremely well here in Maryland, 
Um, and the reason why we chose that white grape, uh, you know, instead of choosing a Chardonnay or choosing a Pinot Gris, or, um, we chose the Vidal Blanc because we feel like it's a beautiful grape. Not a lot of people know about it. So the complexity of what it brings to you, especially when you first have that first uh, sample of it, um, beautiful floral wine. Um, I feel like it goes great on any type of a day, uh, but it's when it's chilled at the right temperature, I think it's a beautiful wine. Amazing. I, I think I taste pineapple in there somewhere. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. So. We, we hear that a lot about that that pineapple uh, <laughs> taste. Yeah. It's yeah. um. So th so this wine probably it, it's interesting because I feel like this wine when people have it you get a lot of wine drinkers who say either they don't drink whites so mm -hmm. they don't even want to try it at first or you get a lot of people say I only drink su sweet wine and to me the, the the thing that is really interesting about the Vidal when you first kind of have that nose on it. Mm -hmm. It might smell like it has a bit of sweetness there, so it's kind of, kind of. But then when you first have that first sample of it, there's no real sweetness there, and that's because the residual sugar in this wine is only 0.5 percent. Exactly what I got. Exactly 0.5 percent residual sugar. That's exactly where we wanted it to be to give a little bit of that crispness, a little more body to the wine. But at the same time, we really wanted it to bring out. You know, we want people to know that you're drinking wine. We want people to know that it's the fruit that you want to taste in the wine and not just quote unquote sweetness or quote unquote, you know, a very dry, bitter wine. We wanted something that was nice, floral, crisp, um, and pleasing to the palate. I mean, I love it. I, I think it's, it's definitely something that needs to be in my wine fitter at all. And I'm not going to let you all get away without saying the amazing news that I saw on, on IG today about you all getting to Target next year. I know that's a big thing for you all. So, yeah, you know, it, 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 we, we have just kind of let that secret out the bag. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, for us to have just launched our wines in April this year, and to already have the opportunity to be in a target, you know, you guys know that that normally does not happen. Um, and for us, the opportunity came along where once again, we're running so fast. We made three wines that we knew would be approachable to people and the people would enjoy, or we thought we did, you know, when you, of course, when you're making wine, you hoping that the marketplace <laughs> right. likes it. Um, and people loved it. Um, and really we had gotten a call from target to say, Hey, will you guys come to, Minnesota to our headquarters and pitch your wines, you know, bring, you know, bring them with you, you know, talk through them. We're going to have a whole group for you to pitch to. And this is out of a hundred plus applicants that originally applied. We were one of the 10 finalists. Um, we pitched them. We had multiple different conversations with them. They sampled our wines. Now target, by the time they had invited us out, they had already done their due diligence. Mm -hmm. so they knew who we were, but the opportunity came available where they said, Hey, you know, after they looked at us, looked at other companies, they said, you know, for what you guys want to do for the DC, Maryland, Virginia marketplace, we think you guys would be perfect to put in our flagship store on 14th street. Nice. So we're going to start out in that 14th street flagship store, um, spring 2024 in March. Um, all three of these, well, actually both these wines will be here. So our living legs, red blend, our community Vidal Blanc will be there. The wine we do not have with us today is our free spirit Rose. Um, our free spirit rosé sold out. You know, we had projected when we made our free spirit rosé that would sell out in September mm -hmm. of 2023. It sold out in early July of 2023. I know y'all were. <laughs> I mean, we it was flying up the shelves. We couldn't keep it. Um, 
So to be able to have that response from the marketplace where people say, you know, we love what you guys have done with that Free Spirit Rosé. That wine actually even won a gold medal and best in class in the wine makers um, experience that we did, um, that we entered our, our, our wine in for a competition. It was the best in class for Rosé and a gold medal winner. So, you know, to have one of your first vintages win a gold medal and best in class once again it doesn't happen often so we've just been you know very excited about how people experience our wine so we, we you know just thankful we're grateful nice I, I would like to say that's all god right that's, it's all that's god his, it's all that's god. his uh, grace right there um okay um let's jump into the topic we're here to talk about fatherhood today um yeah. now that i know we all have boys we can have a different conversation <laughs> girls to navigate around um you know i like to say that fatherhood is a journey Right. You, yeah. you know, you, you see that young man um, the day of at the hospital and you think about I will do anything mm -hmm. I can for this for this young man. I was watching a movie this weekend called Fine Lakes or something like that. It has Tom Lee Jones in it. And at mm -hmm. the end of the movie, he comes in, his son got uh, uh, caught up in a whole bunch of stuff. He comes in and he shoots all the people that were chasing him, mm -hmm. end up going to jail. And he said... The reason why I did this, he said, because when you're a father, you know you will do anything for your kids. And, and it made me think about the commitment that we have to our children and, and things that we do to make sure that they have the life that we didn't have. Um, so, you know, the first somewhat question is, like, let's talk about your, you all's fatherhood journey. Like, how did you get here? Some things that you have learned along the way, because it's different for everybody, I like to say. And so we'd love to hear more about your journey thus far. I think we all have kids under 10, so we're, we're no preteens yet, no teenagers yet. So. <laughs> um, I, I think for me, it, it started even before, you know, seeing my actual son, right? It, it starts with that phone call or that conversation that you have where you get that information. That, that your life is, is changed and uh, the level of responsibility uh, <laughs> is now greatly uh, going to be increased. Um, and, and I think for me, that's that's what it was. I was I think I was driving home from work and my wife called um, and said, hey, we're, we're pregnant. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just like, OK, you know, everything I have uh, done up to now, I got to take stock of and and see um, if I am at a place where I want my son to, to be able to enter the world and feel safe, secure, comfortable. Um, you know, I, I'm trying to do that for my wife now, and, and now I've got a, another person, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, for me, it's, it's been a journey. I mean, just like you said, um, it is a, a very introspective journey in, in many cases because you're always kind of trying to figure out if you're doing the right thing, um, if you are... Uh, saying the right words, given the right level of emotion, the right emotion, mm -hmm. um, you know, even when you're just being loving, not even to mention the discipline side, oh, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> now we're all doing soft parenting. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't know what that is. Um, you know, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because that is, you know, part of, I think, every every father's journey. You know, how, how much, um, how do I give lovingly the discipline I know my... Mm -hmm. A son in this case needs right yeah um and so it's it is um it's a journey when you know when your baby boy is first born you're trying to figure everything out just like mm -hmm. your wife is yeah. making sure that your kid is frankly alive mm -hmm. right um you know i i spent many a night looking at the baby monitor making sure you know his, his he was moving every once in a while oh, yeah. if i didn't see something yeah. i want i went over tried to sneak into uh -huh. the room without waking everybody up you oh, know, yeah. that type of thing 
um, you know, and then they get to a stage, as you guys know, once once you know that they uh, can be alive by themselves, that they're not kind of killing themselves. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, you're going to walk down these steps. No, 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 no stop. Here's Whoa. the baby gate. Make oh, yeah. sure that's closed. Yeah. You know, make sure they're not falling off of stuff or, or getting into something that could harm them. You know, and I think that's where uh, me being uh, kind of a protector, like a, I don't even know what to call it, just, just watching over everything, mm -hmm. kind of thinking, you know, three or four steps in, in advance of what my son's going to do yeah. to kind of be ready for that. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's that's been kind of my biggest part of the journey, um, you know, getting him into uh, child care and putting trust in other people yeah, that's, um, that's or, or 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 having a level of distrust so you're always mm -hmm. on your toes and ready right uh, as well i think that's that's been um a big part of the journey that nobody talks about right um you know some of the books i've read and things like that you know talk about discipline talk about how you manage your marriage and, and mm -hmm. other um, keys like that but th they don't really talk about uh trying to trust somebody trying to mm -hmm trust them just enough mm -hmm. um that you're willing to let go a little bit but still having your antenna up yeah. uh, as well um you know and so it's been you know my son's only three so i'm mm -hmm. you know still just getting started <laughs> shall we say um but it's been a lot of a, a lot of frankly talking to god mm -hmm. um because you know i don't know what I'm doing. I'm reading every book, talking to every mentor that I can, other fathers and kind of surrounding myself with, with, uh, other good brothers, um, to, to kind of hear their stories yeah. as well yeah. uh, and learn from them. But, you know, it is definitely, a, an interesting ride. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, John, I, I don't know if I could add a lot more really, <laughs> because I think you hit on all the major marks. I think, yeah. The thing I would add is really one that being a father for me was always in me. I always knew I wanted to be a father. I always knew I wanted to have children. Yeah. I'm one of seven, so okay. <laughs> came from a big family. Um, so you know, I had a strong father influence. My parents were married for you know 46 or so years. So you know, kind of having that lifestyle, I, I knew I wanted to go down that path of being a father. But I think the thing that I did kind of when I got that call from my wife was I had to take some introspection of myself first. I had to do like a self inventory of, oh, man, OK, you know, yes, taking care of my wife is and we're taking care of each other. We're yeah. kind of doing that balancing act with one another. Now we're bringing someone else in mm -hmm. and that someone else. And I, at that time, we didn't know if it was going to be a girl or a boy. Right. And I was just thinking, OK, we're going to have a child. So, man, I had to go on this journey of excising some of the things that I knew I needed to excise mm -hmm. and kind of getting myself into a place mentally and physically, you know, in a place where I was like, I need to be healthier. Yeah, I need to start living a different lifestyle. You know, I need to change up my diet, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, you hit 30, <laughs> can't eat all the carbs you wanted to eat, you know, <laughs> you know, all those things I have to start thinking about because here I am having my first son when I was 30 mm -hmm. um, and those are some of the lifestyle changes that I made because I you know I knew that my son or daughter at the time I didn't know they were going to be looking at me for it as an example mm -hmm. and as I've kind of continued on this fatherhood journey I always know and I'm always knowledgeable or thinking through they're looking at me 
Mm-hmm. They're, they're trying to figure out how daddy's going to react. They're assessing situations and know once again they're safe, but they also want to know, hey, is daddy what's going on? You know, he's he's here, he's available, mm-hmm. ensuring that I'm always available for them. And thankfully, you know, I, I work in a space where I can be available. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you know, I, I'm thanking God for that opportunity to be in a space where I'm very available for them. Um, and I think lastly, probably the thing I had to learn was you, I don't have to be like anyone else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I started off fatherhood thinking All right, I need to be a disciplinarian because my dad was a disciplinarian. <laughs> no, I need to be, you know, I need, you know, you, so you go in, you try to be a disciplinarian, but I had to learn that that's not what my first son needed, mm-hmm. nor second son. They didn't need a, you need me to be a disciplinarian because many times I could just say something to them with a certain mm-hmm. tone and they know and they know right. and, and right. that that changes the whole atmosphere yeah. so they know when daddy has his play voice on they know mm. when daddy has his serious voice on and when daddy wants something done right now so now when it comes to discipline it's much more of a conversation and it's much more of a you know have I taught you this before? And if I've taught you this before, what's my expectation of you for this? So I, I'm just thanking, thankful that I, I've been able to evolve and not feel like I gotta replicate someone else. I, and I could be my authentic self with them. And if I may, um, I think I'm glad you shared um, kind of the, the background of of having your father in mm-hmm. your life. Cause I think for me, it was the exact opposite. My dad left our family when we, when I was six. Mm-hmm. So being a father, you know, takes this totally different yeah. stance. If you've, if you are kind of reaching back to say, mm-hmm. what would I have wanted right you know, to see? Yeah. Uh, and I think that's where that's a, that's a part of my journey as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think why I'm so introspective because it's like, what do I, what did I miss mm-hmm. and what, should I be doing to make sure my son doesn't feel the way I did when I was, you know, little or, or what have you. Exactly. Um, and I think you have a number of men that are out there that are trying to find their way in fatherhood, not mm-hmm. having, you know, the, the man right in the house every day to be able to say, oh, look, daddy reacted this way. Mm-hmm. Or, or like you said, mm-hmm. what's daddy doing? Um, yeah. And how's he feeling? And how's he addressing certain situations? So, yeah. you know, I think, I think that is a piece of fatherhood being able to look back or not look back mm-hmm. uh, and, and figuring out uh, how to do it. Yeah. So I, yeah, that's, yeah that's I think that's, that's, that's hundred percent accurate. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think both of you hit on two great points and, and I laugh when you said earlier about trusting someone else. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I always share the story. We had our son um, Tyson in daycare. At, I'm not going to mention their name, but at a very <laughs> prestigious daycare mm-hmm. here in the District of Columbia. And I remember getting a phone call from his mother saying, "Oh, they haven't fed. They said they haven't um, fed him in seven months. So this is a daycare that we're taking our son to." And they said they we didn't fully sign for a meal plan, and so they weren't giving him food. They would give him scraps from other kids' plates. And this is in the middle of the pandemic. Whoa. So. I, I used to be in the Marine Corps, um, so I still had that in me. Um, <laughs> so I immediately threw on my sweats because now you can't show up in the suit. You got to show up in the sweats. You, you got to know that you're right. doing business. Yes, yeah, you're right. Um, and sped, I was living, we were living in Alexandria at the time and did 100 miles an hour from Alexandria to D.C. to like go off, right? Because mm-hmm. 
you have my son this is this is this is my heart and you're telling me that you're not feeding him and i'm wondering why he's getting in my car every day hungry and I, i'm going to get food mm -hmm. um particularly when we're paying so much money so mm -hmm. you know when you talk about trust it's about letting some of that go but also making making sure that they are okay right because yeah, yeah. you have to be in a place where you can feel like where you send your child to is okay mm -hmm. right yeah um and and then as you you talk about discipline you know sometimes i get that stern voice of my son mm -hmm. he smiles at me and i say you can't look at me with my face and then i hold it together <laughs> right because then right. i start laughing right yeah <laughs> um but it's this new world where we're trying to be you know I grew up in a world where you had to go get your switch and they wrap them together and you mm -hmm. go upstairs and you get you get a uh, whooping with a switch right mm -hmm. or whatever was handy mm -hmm. at the moment oh, in time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and so to be in the world where now where I don't touch my son at all mm -hmm. like it is that having conversations with them sitting sit down and talking to them very sternly or, or trying to reason with them in some ways that is a that is a very different perspective and much like John you know I didn't have that example mm -hmm. right um, and so I think about which leads right into what i want to ask you gentlemen is you know what are the values that you want to instill in your kids as you go forward right because i know for me it is about building family and making sure that you know that family is more important than anything you know we all operate in worlds where society has taught us like climb 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 mm -hmm. climb right and then your family will be there now it's you know at 41 i hate to say that out loud but at 41 um i'm like what did I do to build a legacy for my kids yeah. that wasn't built on what my title was at work mm -hmm. or anything like that, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, throwing it to you all, what, what values, what legacy do you want to leave for your kids um, as you all are thinking about their future? Um, I think when you think about values, for me, it's, you know, understanding that, especially as, you know, we're talking about boys, mm -hmm. so young men, you know, the raising to be young men and, and hopefully productive men for society, right? Right. That you're going to have to sacrifice. Mm -hmm. This idea of having it all does not work for people who are engaged in relationships with other people. And then especially when you have kids, mm -hmm. somebody has to sacrifice. So the idea of having the ability to sacrifice for other people is really important for kind of that value to instill in my, my boys. Um, you know, the other thing is I want to make sure that they are uh, fully aware of, especially as young black men, mm -hmm. is that you are enough. Mm -hmm. You're valued. Mm -hmm. You know, you bring value to the world because there's going to be so many areas that they're going to have to wade through that someone's going to tell them they're not valued mm -hmm. you know we went through a situation when you know i got recruited to go take a job in a different state <laughs> and uh, uh it's in indiana um fantastic opportunity to go there but you know we go to that state and uh move there move my, i got my wife's buying to move there <laughs> And we get there and, you know, our son, this is our, our oldest at the time. He was five, um, about to turn six and going into first grade. So he's probably the youngest kid in his class. In that area of the country, a lot of parents decide to hold their kids back. So he was going to school as a five or six year old, five year old turning six in September with a lot of kids who were six turning seven, you know, um, and we get a call from the school. I don't think your son can keep up. 
Mm. Like, mm. hold on. Now he, he was just doing all this other type of work. The same thing you're teaching in first grade. He was doing that in kindergarten in D.C. Mm-hmm. You know, at Savoy Elementary. So shout out Savoy Elementary in Southeast. Oh. <laughs> um, we, you know, so we were very purposeful about what we trained him. But we, what we found was, okay, he went from an environment where he was at Savoy Elementary in Southeast. You know, it's 99% black. Mm-hmm. My son's mother was assistant principal for five years. Okay. Yeah, so you may have ran into her. We, we may have ran into her. Yeah. So, so then we get to the city in, in Indiana where now he's the only black kid in his class. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and he goes from being one of 16 kids at Savoy with a teacher assistant and a full-time teacher to being one of 26 kids with just one full-time teacher. So we had to be very involved. Going back to your point of like, hey, let me let me run up to school. Yeah. I, 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 I got to go up to the school and we, they got to be able to see me. They got to be able to see my wife. They got to know I'm around. So they're going to see, you know, hey, Dr. Boy's going to walk through the door mm-hmm. and I'm going to have all on my... I would have my what I would always wore to work was was a navy blue blazer, shirt and tie, and mm-hmm. slacks, and and my name badge. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know who I am. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and we had that experience, and I I immediately thought back to the experience I had as a kid because we had I had a very similar experience where when we moved in that area, we were some of the first African American families to start going to those schools in Indiana, in Indianapolis, where I grew up. So just making sure that he, that our boys know that they bring value to the world. Um, that, that's gonna be so important for them. And I think lastly, the, the, the other thing I wanna make sure I instill in them is, you know, to trust God. Mm-hmm. You know, to, to, to have a relationship with God where they can trust God and trust that he's gonna direct their path and that sometimes God will lay out decisions for you. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And sometimes the thing I had to become comfortable with over time is to be thankful that I have choices. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I used to be caught up on making the right choice, right. not realizing that sometimes God is so good that he gives you choices that ain't no wrong choice, but certain things will lead you in certain directions and he'll still cover you mm-hmm. no matter what choice you make. Yeah. As long as it's in alignment, with his will with his will mm-hmm. so you know as long as it ain't you know nothing that's outside of his will right. yeah. the choice that's laid in front of you neither one is going to be wrong sometimes this choice is to grow you in a certain area yes. he sent yeah. you down this journey because so you, you mm-hmm. had to learn something you, you got to learn something that's right you can learn it the other way yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. I, I think for me um i think it's hard to right now where we are he's three the biggest thing that I want him to understand is he is in charge of his own actions and to be uh, responsible for that. You know, at three years old, it's a hard, <laughs> it's a hard thing to, to, to crystallize for them, right? Yeah. But, but as he grows, I want him to continue to be introspective about the choices he makes, right? Um, and kind of like you said, not necessarily get hung up on the right choice, but understand your why you're making the choice you made. Um, 
And then as he gets older, you know, we're, we're going to start to talk about ethical behavior. Yeah. You know, I really want him to be a, a man of integrity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and be as as hard as it can be, be above reproach. Yes. Right. Because yeah. there are going to be individuals who test you mm-hmm. um, in, in many different ways. Um, and I think without being a man that has a particular code. Yes. Um, it is hard to kind of stay on a path um, and, and kind of realize the full purpose of who you are. Um, obviously, we've got we've got a long, long road to go and mm-hmm. a lot of work to do. But, you know, at the end of the day, I would love to look back um, and be able to say, OK, we that's what we focused on. And yeah. it's it's been it's been good. It's been meaningful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's guided him in the right direction, whatever choices he makes and what he, whatever he chooses to do with his life, at least it's been within a certain kind of framework. Um, you know, I think the other kind of value that I want him to, to have is trying to find a commonality with people in your community mm-hmm. um, and, and being able to be a, a community builder. Um, sometimes we see it as networking and things of that nature, but Mm -hmm. in a better sense, you know, understanding people, but also valuing them as well. Um, I think that's, you know, I, I tend to, you know, I'm an educator. I've I've gotten to know a lot of young people Mm -hmm. over the years and the ones that I think do best in life are the ones that value other people. Yeah. Um, And I think that's where I really want to see him grow. Um, You know, he he has his little clique of friends at at preschool (laughs) or what have you. Um, And I'm always when I whenever I talk to him, I'm always talking about other kids that I don't always see with his clique and how Mm -hmm. how he's building relationships with them. Because I think that's important too to value everyone that you come across. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's that's going to be a continuing challenge and discussion with us as, as he grows so yeah yeah you know I, I mean i think you both hit it on the head so much you know i think having a foundation that's rooted in god is absolutely critical mm-hmm. right because you could go nowhere without that right i, I think that you are just a you're lost in the sea when you're not when you don't have that foundation right um no I think that helping your fellow man and serving your community is one of the greatest callings you can have in your life, right? So I think when you talk about building community, I think when people are out here just making money and trying to build wealth and they don't have any connection to the communities that they're a part of, to me, you're lost because I don't think that's what we've been called to do, Mm -hmm. right? Um, You know, so those are two values that, as as both you all said, are important and something I try to teach my boys the other thing is make mistakes right i think you learn more mistakes than you you learn in success i think so many people are are like i don't want to i don't want to mess up i don't want to mess up mess up because it's in those and it's in those moments that you're going to find who you are you know when you think about quotes you know character is found when you're hit with something that you were not which you that was unexpected unexpected yeah um and i think that when you make those mistakes you will find who you are and and the good thing about it is that I'm gonna be here to help you through those mistakes mm-hmm. right um you know things that I think that 
good fathers teach their kids good parents teach their kids they say hey i want you to make those mistakes mm -hmm. along the way because i want you to learn from them but i'm also here for you right right um and so um i think those are amazing values that not just for our boys but for our maybe daughters in the future um, <laughs> <laughs> but i think those are values that we have to instill in our kids particularly our um black kids this world will hit you hard mm -hmm. like i i i always find it funny when parents say he needs to know this or she needs to know this she needs, it's like look life will hit you at some point you don't have to rush there because it will come fast and hard when you at some point and you just got to be ready for it when it comes right um and and i like to tell people that i want my kid to live in a fantasy as long as possible a mm -hmm. fantasy within reality yeah. right like yeah I want you to know about the world and know about the things that you should be concerned about, but be a kid. Yeah. Believe in Eastern Butter. That's right. Love Halloween. Mm -hmm. Believe in Santa. Mm -hmm. Why am I going to take that joy away from you? Because you're going to get a chance. You're going to spend the rest of your life mm -hmm. learning about all the realities of mm -hmm. life. Because right. <laughs> their mm -hmm. bills come every month. Yeah, they do. <laughs> that's 100%. <laughs> that's true. Right. That and you don't want to get any, you don't want to get too many bills too quickly. Right. right? Yeah. You don't. You don't. At mm -hmm. all. Um, so. Well, Anthony, I want to ask you a question because mm -hmm. I feel like that's a great point about making mistakes. Mm -hmm. I, I think as black men, especially, we know there's a cost for black kids making mistakes. Mm -hmm. And that cost normally is higher. Mm -hmm. So, you know, how do how do us as fathers give our kids enough leadway to make mistakes when we know that the environment we live in not gonna give that leeway yeah you know i it's such a good question i don't i don't necessarily have an answer for it <laughs> Me, like, I don't right? um because you know when you and i'll use i'll use something we have a kid so i am also a local elected official here in dc and we have a young man who's nine years old who was stealing stuff out of people's garages mm -hmm. but he was stealing food because he has a very complicated situation at home mm -hmm. right and so when you get on all the community blogs, they're like, he needs to go to jail for the rest of it until he's 18 because he has messed up, right? Mm. And that bothered me to my core, Yeah. right? This nine-year-old kid that was stealing food from mm -hmm. garages because he is hungry mm -hmm. and you are ready to lock this kid up. He is not a bad kid. Yeah. He is he is trying to survive in this hard world, mm -hmm. right? And I think, it's a, I think it's a coming upon us not only as parents, but as a community to protect our children. So when you say, how do we let them make mistakes mm -hmm. knowing that reality will be harder? I think it's a community effort. Mm -hmm. You know, when I grew up in Jersey and other places, the community wrapped their arms around us. When they saw us doing stuff, it wasn't, I'm gonna call the police department. Right. I'm gonna call these people and get this kid in trouble. Miss Josephine, as we like to say in my house, <laughs> will, will come get you, right? And say, hey, come in my house sit down you may get in trouble mm -hmm. but you're gonna go home that night and it's and it's gonna be a lesson that won't follow you the rest of your life yeah. um and i think that we have to figure out in those moments how do we as parents build community around our kids mm -hmm. right because i think community is absolutely important because community will look out for us we can't control what the outside world will do we can't control what um other folks will do but we can control what we do in our own communities and and We've lost that along the way, mm -hmm. unfortunately. Um, so for me, it's about being around other good brothers and other good families and saying, hey, if Tyson's with you, if Jaden's with you, if Noah's with you, watch out for them. Yeah.
them because I need you to be on the lookout for them because I'm gonna be on the lookout for your kids, yeah. right? Because I think that's that's critical for us to do that, and and which leads me right into this this question. You know, there are stereotypes that we face as black men mm-hmm. that our kids will ultimately face, right? That we are dangerous um, when we're just doing everyday stuff. Mm-hmm. That <laughs> that we. <laughs> Are intelli- we're, we're not as intelligent as as the rest of the world um and and the one i hate the most is that black men don't take care of their families mm. the one that eats me up so bad because it's always like you know black men are absent from their families and i always like to use this statistic that pew did a study and they said that the reason why black men um what the reason why the stereotype persisted for so long was when they do the census mm-hmm. they only counted um fathers that were living in the house with their exactly spouse. yep they weren't counting fathers who weren't married to their the other person mm-hmm. but when they counted those people they saw that black fathers were more likely to spend time with their kid than any, any other, other race yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. right but there's a stereotype that we are the ones that are not taking our taking our kids so throwing this out to you all how do we one counteract this stereotype and how do we put more positive energy out there around what fatherhood looks like in our communities well, I think you, you hit on it um, kind of in the course of the question or in the last um, last line of questioning. Um, I think it is us building community within ourselves as black men, you know, black fathers, you know, because people are going to see us together, see us together with our kids, yeah. you know, doing play dates and things like that. You know, we don't we don't talk about that you know hey i'm not you know if i go if i go to to anthony's to watch a football game and bring my he son he doesn't watch football he watches the red that's not real oh wow sheesh as you can see my friend is petty um his team's not going to win the super bowl but it doesn't matter um but but if we go you know to watch football together we bring our sons and you know, it's technically a play date. Yeah. Um, we're watching football. They're watching football and or playing with cars or mm-hmm. whatever else. Oh, yeah. Um, but that's building community. They get to see each other. We get to talk. You know, Tony says something to my boy. I say something to his boy. Mm-hmm. And they get used to that. They yep. get used to the fact that when I'm around Mr. John or when, you know, my son's around Mr. Anthony, you know, I got to be on my best behavior or he's yep. going to he's going to give me that look and that tone mm-hmm. that's going to set me straight. Um, and as we do that amongst ourselves, I think, you know, we, uh, we know the truth, uh, and we get more comfortable with that. And so if somebody challenges that we're we're easily ready to dispute that. And, and then I think the outside world, uh, starts to see that as well, uh, because they'll see us in different spaces and that will challenge that notion. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's one of the ways that we can do that. Yeah. I, I agree with you, John. I think there's, you know, to me, there's no greater value for people than to see it. <laughs> because the, the, I, I really, truly believe that people, for the most part, we are visual people. <laughs> so we, whatever we see, we reenact. <laughs> so, you know, our, the fact that we see our parents and what our parents do, what do most people end up doing? They reenact what their parents did. Mm-hmm. No, that's why you have so many people who have a family full of doctors, or a family full of that's lawyers, right. or a family full of this, or a family full, because everyone saw that, so yeah. they decided to go down that same path. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so important for our, our sons and daughters to see strong black men in their lives who are loving, 
affectionate and will take them places for other people to see. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been many places where just me and my boys. I remember when our first son was born, you know, to give my wife a break on the weekends, I would go out and he was only two or three months at the time. Got the stroller in the back, got the car seat mm-hmm. in, the, in the car, mm-hmm. me and him take off. And we'll just, a lot of times we would just go to the mall. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that we were shopping. I was just walking around the mall with him. Yeah. He's in the stroller. I'm looking at him. He's looking at me or he's sleeping and I'm just walking with him. People would look at me. They look in there. Where's your wife at? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or what's your, right. you know, like, I'm good. I'm all right. Because right. they see us as babysitters. They don't see yeah, us as exactly. Yeah. They think I'm babysitting. I'm like, I'm all right. I, this is my son. I, yeah. I, I know how to change diapers. I know how to do it all, you know. Right. And I think there's so much value in people seeing that. Mm-hmm. Because we're showing them an example. Mm-hmm. And, and that example is not just for us. It's for the world. Mm-hmm. It's for other people to see black men with their children, sometimes with their wives, with their significant other, and without their significant other, mm-hmm. and being able to work with their children, show loving behaviors to their children, mm-hmm. um, being able to speak to their children in loving ways. That changes per- so many perceptions on what people think of black men, mm-hmm. and, and especially black fathers and I think there's there's no greater value than for people to see it because we don't really know that impact of that young man seeing you with your son Mm -hmm. and he might have Mm -hmm. a lot of times you don't know he might have a child on the way Mm -hmm. going back to your point John maybe that maybe that's the example of a father he's going to see you know you talked earlier about you know your father not being there but maybe that's the example you you saw you with him it's like wow that interaction was life-changing because right. I saw that engagement I saw the love I saw the affection yeah you know I saw the care mm-hmm. that we don't always see in movies we don't mm-hmm. see it in television shows anymore mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and I think that's that that's where I think is going to be you know the value for us to be able to continue to show in our lives so true I, I think the example you know when people see it they're like oh wow you know I always get people saying oh you're such a good dad <laughs> and why I appreciate you telling me I'm a good dad I'm just doing what dad should should be doing every single day every single day I have to take care of my son he has to get to school he has to get fed he has to do all these other things mm-hmm. that's what we do and don't give me a award for doing that because that's what I'm supposed to be doing as my kid's father yeah. right um, so the example is absolutely critical mm-hmm. I'm gonna let you all know I, I bust open the legacy here <laughs> amazing <laughs> Uh, I, I can go down the whole little thing with the cherry and the raspberry notes and so many other things in here, but you all in your first class. I know you. I know you're lightweight, so I'm gonna let you oh, stick wow. there. Oh, wow. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm switch over in the minute. I've just been enjoying swirling in these beautiful glasses. Oh, yeah, glasses. Yeah, I mean, I, I love these. I might, I might walk out of here with this. We'll see. We'll see. If not, he'll just take it from my house. I Pretty much. <laughs> um, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you all. You know, we all have careers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you all are conquering the world of wine um, and going to be the next Robert Mondavi. I'm not going to give that to you. You're going to be your own thing, right? You're going to be above that. John is going to be governor of Virginia one day. Let's just all put that. Let's, out there, let's right? put it out there. There we go. Okay. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, but how do you all balance it all, right? Like, how do you balance being a father, running businesses, other careers, and 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 um, still 
finding ways to um, take care of your family. And I'll throw something else in there, finding self-care in the midst of that. Like, how do you find the ways to um, have self-care where you can actually um, recoup um, some of the things that you've been given out there and actually get revitalized by um, some things um, I'll be honest with you and sorry if I get emotional I, I don't I don't balance it um, it is probably the biggest guilty uh, place for me mm-hmm. uh, right now um, I uh, work for a local school district as my 9 to 5 Um I run a tour business on the weekends, but of course that becomes time during the week as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm elected official. So I've got events, I've got official council meetings, I've got other meetings, um, and then I've got my family. And it's not in that order, but many times it feels like it's that order. Um, squeezing time with him uh, some weeks when, you know, the, the tour companies, you know, the height of the tour season and that's busy or like next year is a election year for us. And so mm-hmm. trying to win an election and make sure you have uh, time for your kid, but it, it doesn't seem to always be in the way I want it to be. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's, uh, it's tough, you know, it is tough. It's, it's not balanced. Um, it's a struggle day to day, week to week. And many times I find myself at the end of the day, way after he's gone to bed, kind of thinking about what I could have done better that day to, to squeeze out more time. You know, should I have left work early? Should I have, you know, told somebody I'm not going to meet in person, but we're going to have a quick phone call? Mm-hmm. Um, or did I need to go to that event or that meeting uh, or what have you? Um, you know, and it's, this is not to, you know, we t- we're talking about our, our, our sons, but... Again, I'm married too, so mm-hmm. you know how am I prioritizing my wife in that yeah. uh, as well? Not just with the kid, but our, our relationship as well. Mm-hmm. And so it's it is a struggle. It is a struggle. I have taken on a lot, um, and that's probably not stopping. But making sure I prioritize my son and my wife, um, I think, are, are key uh, to. Uh, my own mental health and where I want to be in terms of self-care because I want to make sure that I am being a good father, at least in in my eyes, regardless of what people say or um, whatnot, because of course they see a small piece of what I do if I'm with my son, but uh, being able to say that I feel that I'm giving to them, not the leftover piece of me, um, not the leftover time, uh, but really prioritizing that and, and feeling comfortable with that. Uh, knowing that that might not always be the case, uh, might not always be um, the most time I can spend with them, um, and knowing that I might miss some moments. Uh, I think that's the, another struggle for me as well. Um, so I, I don't think you, you know, I, I tell people this just from a, uh, a certain stance. I don't know if you always balance it all. I think you have to be comfortable with what you can do Mm -hmm. the impact that you make um and and also understanding that you're always trying to be better uh, when it comes to that that time balance you know you you have 24 hours every day Mm -hmm. um and how many of those can you squeak out for what it's it's about not being hard on yourself you know i went through this journey so i two of my kids do not live in the district of columbia they live in different states so mm-hmm. i fly 
regularly to see them. Mm. I, I think last year I spent 200,000 miles in the air trying wow. to see my kids, right? And to balance that, you know, and then when you miss the mark, it's mm. like, I can't be there this weekend because I got to be at work. Mm. I got a work commitment. Or I got this mm-hmm. commitment, right? Um, it's hard. And, you know, I used to beat myself up. So, and I'm not going to say used to. I still do sometimes. Like, I beat myself up a lot about it. It's like, mm. I couldn't make it down there this weekend, mm-hmm. and I see the disappointment on my son's face, mm-hmm. oh, right? yeah. or hear it in his voice. And, you know, and, and to be honest, I used to cope with it by saying, "Hey, I can't make this weekend, but let me buy you a game," mm-hmm. right? And that created an unhealthy attachment to if I can't make it, Daddy's going to buy you a game, or he's going to buy you something to make it all right, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I say that because it's about not beating yourself up when you fall short sometimes, right? Like. This world is, I mean, we we have to, one, be great fathers, um, but also provide, yeah. right? Like, you yeah. still have to be able to keep the lights on mm-hmm. and keep and keep everything paid and keep, you know, my sons are in private school. And if you all are in private school, <laughs> let me tell you about this life. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. right. It is not for the faint of heart, right? It is not. Oh, uh, but, you know... I have to do things in order to continue to be able to provide that type of lifestyle for them. Mm -hmm. And when I miss the mark on some things, I have to know that it's going to be okay. Yeah, most definitely. I think, um, you know, I I probably started out fairly similar to John where you feel like you're not one, you're not balancing it well, but two, you're not there for everything. Mm -hmm. I I used to have this thing where I want to be there for everything. Especially when they were very young. And, you know, the thing I had to be comfortable with is be there for all the small things. Mm-hmm. Miss some big things. I told someone that the other day. I was like, how you do it? I said, because I try to be there for all the small things, but I have to miss some big things. I was at a work conference last week. One of the largest work conferences that I have to go to where I had to present some data, meet with a lot of people. I had to be there. Um, and you know, I miss I miss my son's first uh, martial arts competition. Yeah. They're at the oh, shout out to Dennis Brown, <laughs> Shaol- Shaolin Wushu, yeah. uh, uh, Dennis Brown, well well known uh, martial artist. But he, they go, go there and they were having their first competition. I missed it, but you know what? I take them that class Mondays and Wednesdays every day from six to seven. I'm with them every day. I'm watching their moves. I'm practicing them. They're teaching me, and I'm practicing with them at home. So for me to miss their competition was like they understood. And I explained to them and say, "Hey, I'm sorry, I'm miss your competition. Daddy has to go away for a work event, but you know, I'll be there for your belt ceremony that we just had on on this past Friday." So just being comfortable missing some of the big things. But if you're there for all the small things, I think your kids understand. You know, so I'm there to be able to pretty much every day of the week. We have dinner together. Okay. I, I, I've, I've been able to, and I'm thankful, you know, once again, God has provided, you know, this, this opportunity where now I've been able to set my work up in a way where some days I can walk them to the bus stop. Some days I could pick them up from the bus stop. But most days I can be able to spend a stretch of time with them from the time they get off the bus, help them with homework, walk them through homework, give them some extra stuff to do and help mm-hmm. them through it. 
build Legos, do all the things they enjoy doing, and then put them to bed. And I can do that almost every day now. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't able to do that a couple of years ago. Um, so I, I thank God for that opportunity, but I also know how hard it is to not always, every person doesn't have that opportunity. You know, people do have to work more. You're always thinking about the food you got to put on the table, the mouths you got to feed, the bills that got to be paid. All those things don't stop. Um, so I, I fully understand that, but I'm just thankful that if you can make it for most of those small things and miss some big things, I think our kids understand. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my wife will always tell me it's your presence, not the presence mm-hmm. that matter the most. Mm-hmm. So if you're present there, the kids understand. Yeah. You know, if you can be present, and, and sometimes it's be present, meaning a lot of times I come in the house, I mean, even days when I've been out and I'm meeting with different people and I come home, I, I've gotten to this habit probably the past three or four years where I try to put my phone down. Mm-hmm. I try to sequester my phone in the bedroom, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, to stop that habit of picking up the phone and being distracted from helping with homework or building Legos or spending time. Yeah. I think our, our kids want to see us having them having our undivided attention. Mm-hmm. Right. And if they know that they have dad's undivided attention, they're all engaged, yeah. you know, because I, I started doing that because my oldest would call you out. He would call me out. Hey, Dad, why are you on your phone? What are you looking at? You know, and this is when he was, you know, five or six. So he, he saw that I don't have your full attention. All right. I want your full attention. You know, and, and, and I think that's what a lot of kids want. They want their parents' full attention when they have it. When they see you, they want their full attention. So how can we set our lives up in a way where kids can have our full attention and they can feel like they're the number one priority at that moment. I think that's one of the things I've continued to try to revise and work toward and strategize in, in, in how can I set my work up and the things I put on my plate to be able to have that. But lastly, I think the other thing I've also done is I've said no to some things, mm-hmm. you know, and hey, can you be on this board? I'm already on one board. I can't, I, I, I can't add anything else. Yeah. You know, can you do this on this weekend? Now I'm coaching uh, flag football. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to be in my boys' flag football game. You know, um, so I, I think it's the choices too. Because at some point in time, I, I feel like I'm making these choices now. Because at one at some point in time, you're not going to be the cool dad anymore. <laughs> right now I'm still cool dad I'm still dad that's cool my boys are 10 and 7 years. the teenage years you know I'm cool right, right. so I, I want to enjoy these cool years where I'm still cool and they still want me around because soon especially for my 10 year old you're going to be looking at me like yeah stay over there don't come right. this way right. you know you, right. we all know how right. that goes <laughs> yeah. so I know that things will change soon get all in while you can but I'm trying to get it all in while I can yeah You said something, and and this goes back to something you said earlier, John, is that um, you can't do the same things you used to do anymore, right? You can't be, you know, I remember my friends called me. It's like, hey, you know, when you're in the world of politics, you can go to a dinner event every single night, night. probably Mm -hmm. three times a day, right? (laughs) Quite frankly, (laughs) there's there's always a breakfast thing. There's always a lunch thing. There may be drinks or some Mm -hmm. other thing, right? Mm -hmm. And... Sometimes you gotta say no, right? And, and and I'll be honest, I didn't get that until maybe a year ago, right? 
I woke up like, why am I at all these things? I'm mm-hmm. not enjoying it. Yeah. And I'm missing so many other moments at my house. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I'm missing all these other fun things that are going on in my house. And they may be, they may not be the we at the club or we somewhere hanging out or mm-hmm. I'm meeting this person, I'm doing this. It's the moments when I when my son says something so funny, I was like, oh wow. <laughs> right? Or I see the vocabulary growing, mm-hmm. right? Or they're outside and they're learning something new, or they build he he has magic towels everywhere in the house. If you have kids, <laughs> magic towels is a thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, but, oh, yeah. Um, we got them. <laughs> you know when he builds a a, a tower, mm-hmm. I'm like, how did you build that, right? But if I was at this event, I would miss that moment, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't experience it, and I wouldn't see the growth in my son. Mm-hmm. And and to your point, and to what you said earlier, John, it's like sometimes you have to say no, and you can't be everywhere. Mm-hmm. You can't do everything for everybody, right? Yep. Um, and I think that's when. We, and when you have kids, it becomes a reprioritization of you, what's important to you. Yeah. Right. And to your point, these things will, when they get older, when they get in their teens, my, my oldest is nine. He just mm-hmm. turned nine. So I like to say we're almost preteen. <laughs> um, when he gets older, he's not going to want to, he's not going to want to hang around me right now. He'll want to hang around me. Wait, let's, let's be honest. Right. I hit my son up. I'm like, Hey, what you doing? He's like, I'm on my iPad playing a game. I'll talk to you later. Right. <laughs> like he doesn't want to hang around me. Like he, when he's at the house, he's like, oh, I'm upstairs and mind his own business. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, and so for me, it's like, I want to capture all the moments I can because this will be gone. Mm-hmm. Right. And I want to be able to look back and say that I was there in presence as you said earlier, Matthew, for the small things, and, and I missed a few th- big things. That happens, right? Yeah. Life happens. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Life life happens, and we got to realize that, you know, as people, there are so many things pulling on us all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I I, I had a, a stretch of time where you know my mom was going through cancer treatment, and I was. You know, depending upon my wife to be there for everything. Cause I missed, I mean, it was just because I was traveling back and forth, traveling back and forth. You know, my mom was in Indianapolis. I was here in, D- in D.C. And you also got to have, have a partner there that can pick up right. slack when you can't. Because if you don't, man, that, that, I, so I got to be thankful for the village I have around me. Because even, in, even, and not only just the village, the neighborhood we live in. You know, yeah. we live in a neighborhood that, you know, thankfully, it's a, you know, a neighborhood with a lot of younger families like ours. You know, o- older neighborhood, meaning our house was built in, you know, the 60s. But, you know, all those families are kind of, you know, that recycling of, you know, families move out, new families move in. And you got a lot of young families there where you also have a really good village. So going back to your point and John's point of having a good community around you to help you. So I've had neighbors pull in and say, hey, we can help with this. We can help with that. Hey, we know Matthew's gone. Mm-hmm. We know what his mom's going through, those type of things. So having people around you is also important, too, because, mm-hmm. you know, the thing I had to kind of like release for me was that guilt of, quote unquote, being there all the time, John, mm-hmm. and knowing that if I if I place the right village around my son, yeah, there's going to be things that I'm not going to be able to always impart on him, but he might be able to get it from another dad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I got the right village in around him. Yep. If I have upstanding other men around him that he can see that same thing mm-hmm. or something else that's gonna engage him and say, Yeah, that's that's cool. That's engaging. I like that. You know, that's also been really important for us. Yeah, yeah I think one one to that to that point, I think I've been 
was very blessed. My wife has has been just done a yeoman's job and mm-hmm. kind of being there, um, and not just kind of being there when I'm not there, but making sure there are opportunities for me to to be there you, mm-hmm. with the with the use of technology. Yeah, you know, hey, oh, yeah. on a video cam. Hey, mm-hmm. I know your dad's coming out of this meeting, but he's not going to be home in time for you to uh, for for to tuck you in. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's get on a video call, and you can say good night. Exactly. Like that—that's so meaningful. It is um, that that you feel that you're you might not be there mm-hmm. physically, but you're still, you know, still connected. Um, I've also been pretty lucky. I have a colleague on city council that has a three-year-old as well, mm-hmm. and so you know, I think we've normalized leaving events to go home to mm-hmm. to see our kids. And oh yeah, in. like hey, I popped in. You know, take the photo op like the politicians <laughs> do, and then hey guys, I gotta go home to my kid. Yeah, right. right. Oh yeah. Um, but also, you know, um, sharing babysitters. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and yes, whatnot. Sir. You know, hey, guess what? We've both got this dinner we're gonna go to tonight, <laughs> and I've got a sitter. You go. You want to join in, <laughs> oh, yeah. or other, or vice versa. Yeah. Um, and that's also been um, helpful as well, not just to us but to our spouses mm-hmm. as well, so they don't feel the the full brunt of having to do everything um, by themselves. Yeah. They do a lot. No question about it. Um, but, you know, without that community, mm-hmm. um, I, I think there's there's definitely a difference there. Yeah, 100%. Well, Jim, I want to thank you all for this really amazing conversation. Um, this is our first episode, so I think this is the, a great way to start this series that yeah. we're in this journey that we're on. I'm not going to let John get out of here. He, he does own a tour company in Alexandria, Virginia that talks exclusively about, about black history. So I'm not going to let you get away without saying something uh, about the tour I figured company. you wouldn't. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I didn't know how, how deep to go with my intro, but yeah, I, I do uh, own Manumission Tour Company. We focus on African-American history uh, right now, specifically in Alexandria, Virginia. Uh, Alexandria has a lot of black history that people don't talk about and so normalizing our interest in in local black history is kind of our focus there um we do a number of walking tours uh, we do some bus tours as well and some virtual uh, presentations for some of our elders who aren't as mobile mm-hmm. uh, and so we've been doing that since uh, 2016 nice. um, and can look to continue to grow every year phenomenal yeah. Great. Well, if you're looking for a tour in Alexandria, mm-hmm. please check out um, John's business. If you're looking for some amazing wine, please, please check out Boy Crew. Um, I, I let you tell people where they can find it. Out. <laughs> I don't want to steal the thunder there. Hey, man, you know, God's been so good to us that you could find our wine, of course, online, BoydCrewWines.com. So that's B-O-Y-D-C-R-U Wines.com. So that's where you can find our wines. We ship to 40 states currently. Um, so that's been a phenomenal for us. So far with our business has been open since April. We've already shipped to 35 states. If you're local to the D.C., Maryland, Virginia market, now we'll be in the 14th Street Target in D.C. come spring 2024, March of 2024. Um, but if you want any wine right now, <laughs> Today, unfortunately, we're pretty much sold out. <laughs> it's a good problem to have been sold out. Um, but we'll be relaunching all three of our current wines. So our, what we're drinking right now, which is the Living Legacy Red Blend, which is beautiful. The Community of Adal Blanc and our Free Spirit Rosé. We'll have all those three wines for next year. Uh, we're actually going to be launching three new wines. We're going to have actually a, kind of a bolder 
uh, Bordeaux style uh, blend that's going to be aged for 12 months and new French oak. Um, so we're excited about that. That blend will also have a, a blended white wine. This is mm. going to be interesting. It's going to be a, a, a Viognier Chardonnay blend. So we're excited about that opportunity. Um, and then we'll also be coming out with a, a little sparkling for uh, next year. Come next uh, fall, October, November time frame, we'll have a, uh, a champagne style uh, Vidal Blanc that's going to be a sparkling uh, wine. We're really excited about that wine, too. So we're doing it. I see. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah. So those wines are coming. So we want to, you know, we want to bring something new to people for next year. Um, and I think people are going to really enjoy it. So we're thankful. Very thankful. And thank you, Anthony, for the opportunity to be here. We really appreciate it. Well, thank Thank you you all. Well, thank you again for being here. I really enjoyed this conversation. I think this is such an important topic. And hopefully, um, as we continue down this journey, we'll have you all back again, particularly as you all launch um, new wines. But but thank you all. And and thank you all for listening for this um, great conversation.